When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we have a lot of discussion around a lot of MLB debuts for notable prospects, and it's not really that time of year per se. I think we're going to kind of see it happen throughout the year sporadically as teams really look to try to stay in the hunt now. We'll see a ton of guys get called up obviously in September as rosters expand and we'll probably see some prospects get called up around the trade deadline when a close to big league ready piece is traded to a rebuilding team and they don't need to see anything else in the minor leagues. But what's been interesting is over this last little stretch and I know service time manipulation plays a point into it or is a factor into it. We've seen a fair amount of debuts so I want to talk about some of the notable prospects, some of the most notable guys that have broken into the big leagues and made their debuts. Some of those names will be Christopher Morrell, Graham Ashcraft is someone we haven't talked about since I broke down that Reds system. And if you go back or if you remember that Reds episode, that was a guy that we really liked. That was a guy that I was extremely high on and uh, he has really met the expectations and then some so far in the early going. I'm going to talk about his long-term outlook and you know what the Reds and Reds fans can expect out of him. Also, Ezekiel Duran makes his debut for the Texas Rangers. I'm a huge fan of Duran. We'll have to see how he fits in long-term, but right now I love what we saw from him. Also, some other names that we're going to get to here. Caleb Killian made his debut for the Cubs. Steel Walker also called up for the Texas Rangers as this influx of talent is definitely there. And guess what? Another Texas Ranger, Josh H. Smith makes his debut as well. So it was a lot of Rangers, some Cubs guys getting called up as well between Morrell, uh, Killian. You also had Matt Swarmer and Nelson Velasquez brought up. Velasquez seemed like more of an emergency type of thing. Swarmer is a guy that's had a little bit of a career revelation, so we'll talk about him. And then obviously have to talk a little bit about Morrell and Killian. I want to start with Ezekiel Duran because 
I just put out a piece on JustBaseball.com breaking down his swing adjustments, and that is linked in the episode description. I would love for you to check that out. I include video in there and everything. Is that something I've been doing a lot more in the articles? Figured out how to embed GIFs in there, so now you can get GIFs of the swings, and I can walk you through what I'm looking at and what I'm breaking down. Uh, and that, again, is linked in the description about how Ezekiel Duran has made major improvements to his swing. And Duran was one of the centerpieces in the trade of Joey Gallo to the Yankees and Duran along with a couple other prospects I would argue that Duran had the highest upside and still does of all of the prospects that came over in that deal and it's been night and day for Duran he was only a $10,000 guy uh, in international free agency that quickly had been perceived as a steal of all steals so he no longer was viewed as that $10,000 guy several years ago Uh, but he was viewed as a high upside wide range of outcomes prospect when he was dealt. He was putting it together in high A, another one of those Yankee prospects that really broke out. He had a great year in short season ball in 2019. We had no 2020 season, and then he continued his success in high A before getting traded uh, to the Rangers. But there was a lot of moving parts to his swing. There was some swing and miss. There was some question, is he going to stick it short? Where is he going to play? Enough questions around Ezekiel Duran for the Yankees to say, hey, you know, we've got Volpe, we've got Peraza, we're okay with parting ways with Ezekiel Duran. And once he moved over to Texas and continued in high A, it was a rough stretch of 38 games for him where the strikeout rate jumped from 24% to 34%. He still was hitting for some power, ended up finishing the year with 19 home runs and 19 stolen bases. But when you see that strikeout rate rise by 10%, when it was already, you know, for the type of player he is, right, I guess, at the maximum of where you want it to be, that was concerning. What does Ezekiel Duran do this year? Well, he gets the bump up to double A despite the struggles, which I think was fair enough because he played his entire season last year in high A, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they decided to, the Rangers that is, decided to let him repeat at least the first couple months in high A. No, they liked what they saw in camp, and that was why he got the double A nod. And what he's done this year is basically have a career year while cutting his K rate nearly in half. 18% K rate so far this season. He's hitting 317, 365, 574. What happens? He gets called up straight from double A. And that's something we talked about on the Just Baseball show. And I've talked about it many times on here. You're probably sick of me saying it, but now we're seeing it start to make an impact on the way teams are handling their prospects. And it's that if you are hitting at double A right now because of how tough double A is and how loaded it is, you can probably make the jump to the big leagues. AAA won't be that much of a difference for most offensive prospects. And we're seeing that. Michael Harris gets the bump up. Now we're seeing Ezekiel Duran get the bump up. Lenin Sosa now getting some consideration uh, and getting some eyes on him over in AA as well. We're seeing a lot of prospects across the game start to get bumped up from AA, and that kind of reinforces what I've been saying about, you know, AA being the biggest jump from high A. Like the high A jump to double A is the biggest jump that you're going to make as a prospect right now. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Of course, besides the big league jump and Duran made that big league jump and has looked good for through the first couple games already left the yard for the first time. We'll see how he continues to look and more ABs and, and how they continue to get him more ABs with Josh H. Smith, I believe on the mend. He was a guy that was going to get a little bit more looks out of the gate just because he's a bit more big league ready. But When Duran cuts his K rate down to 18%, yet the power is still there, seven home runs, seven stolen bases in those 45 games, it's hard not to be fully sold on what he did, but I also had to see how he was able to do that. And that's what really prompted me to do this dive that uh, this article is now on JustBaseball.com. 
like I was, I figured there had to be a swing change or a swing, just major adjustment from Ezekiel Duran. And that's exactly what we've seen. So last year and really in years prior, Duran had a lot of moving parts to his swing. His hands were a little bit noisy, but the big thing that threw him off was a rhythmic leg kick that was inconsistent. It was a big leg kick that he would hang up at the apex. When he would lift that leg up, up at its highest point, he would hang it up there for almost a half a second. And sometimes he wouldn't keep it up there as long. Sometimes it would be shorter. Sometimes it would hang his leg up even longer. And that inconsistency makes it almost impossible to hit. He was able to get away with it for so long because of ridiculous bat speed that he has and just pure raw strength and good athleticism. But the reality was that was never going to work at the AA level or against more advanced pitching. And that's exactly what we've seen. It hasn't worked against more advanced pitching up until this year where he toned things down. What he did is he cut the the big leg kick way down and he's also quieted his hands rather than the long and almost hanging leg kick similar to a pitcher with hands in a spot that made it really difficult to consistently get slotted in rhythm with his lower half. He has cut down the leg kick with more of just a gather that gets him into his back hip and he has simplified his hand movement to be in a more comfortable flat spot and just drop it back into his launch position. So he's repeating this move extremely well. Now you're seeing him get to pitches so much easier. I really encourage you to look at the article so you can see the difference in videos. It went from hands in a more uncomfortable spot and a big leg kick to hands in a more comfortable spot and a quiet gather that really just keeps him on his backside. Now I'm seeing him go opposite field with authority. Now I'm seeing him hit breaking stuff better. And he could always hit fastballs, but the struggle was staying back and it's hard to stay back when you have a big time leg kick that forces you to commit to pitches a little bit too quick but even high velo at times would rush him when it got in quicker on him than he thought it would now he's able to repeat his timing really well he's shorter to the ball he's more efficient and I think it's a no-brainer why we've seen the swing and miss cut down big time and why we're seeing the contact rates improve. He is going the other way more than ever. He's going to center field more than ever. Of course, that means the pull rate is the lowest that it's been. He's using the whole field. He's a more complete hitter. I am totally sold on what we're seeing from the 23-year-old with the Texas Rangers and I don't know if he sticks it short. I actually know. I don't think he sticks it short. He looks like more of a third baseman or second baseman long term. I know that the Rangers have Josh Young, so it should be interesting to see how things shake out. Maybe they tried to run in the outfield because he's an above average runner. Maybe they'll try a few different things. But the, the good news is Duran is really putting it together at the plate. I'm very sold on his adjustments. I'm very sold on the improvements. Anytime you quiet your swing down and it doesn't come at the expense of power, I'm in on that. And this is a dude that is way more under control. And there's no doubt that that's the reason why he's way more consistent at the plate. Next up is a Cubs prospect that has been phenomenal out of the gate so far. And has been a breath of fresh air for Cubs fans, no doubt about it. It's Christopher Christopher Morell, excuse me, who threw his first 20 big league games. Another dude that, by the way, really made the jump from double A because he only played nine games in triple A last year at the end of the season just to get him more ABs and then started the year in double A this year, 28 games, then makes the, the jump straight up through his 20 games at the big league level, hitting 291, 380, 468. That's a 138 WRC plus while playing some pretty good center field. He's also swiped six bags. So there's good speed there as well in double A. It was more of the same from Morrell in the early going this year. 28 games, 7 home runs. He was hitting 306, 380, 
565. That's good for a 144 WRC plus. Also had seven home runs. So nine home runs between those 48 games and pretty much similar production at the big league level. He's walking a little bit more and actually striking out a little bit less. I don't expect that to continue. I do think that there's going to be some struggles there. Uh, and I'm going to get into that because I do think Morrell is a wonderful, wonderful piece now for the Cubs. And I think he's going to be good for a, a long time. There's some similarities. My friend Colby Olson over at Just Baseball also had a really good comp here. And I think there's a similar comp to Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia has the speed, has the raw power, because I think there is the raw power here for Morrell, but questions with the hit tool and some inconsistencies. I still do have some questions on the hit tool for Morrell. He pounds fastballs, absolutely pounds them. And that's where you'll see the power come out. All of his home runs in the minor leagues this year were off of fastballs, and, and I don't think that's a coincidence. And, and here's the thing is, is his swing is very under control and very quick with fastballs. It breaks down a little bit with breaking balls. He struggles with body control. And I always talk about A swings and B swings. And your A swing is that home run cut that you're trying to get off in a hitter's count. When, when Morrell is seeing a fastball, he gets his A swing off and it looks great. The problem is Morrell's B swing is non-competitive. And what that means is when a breaking ball comes in, he tends to be fooled and he rarely gets an A swing off against breaking balls. Most guys don't, but his B swing is not really giving him much of a chance. And he just has not been a good hitter against secondary stuff. 333, 391, 659 so far this year, slash line against heaters, nine home runs against those pitches. And then again, between the two levels against secondaries, OPS below 600. So that's the question for Morrell. And, and it's not just a big league struggle against breaking balls. It's, it's consistently been a minor league struggle against breaking balls. And that's why there's been the, I guess, questions around the hit tool. If he pounds fastballs the way he does, he only needs to be semi-competitive against breaking balls. And especially if he continues to improve in the walk department, he should be good there. But I think he's going to see a steady diet of breaking balls moving forward. And that's going to be the big challenge for him is can he handle those? We saw Adolis Garcia get off to a really hot start, and then as the league started to figure him out a little bit, he hit a bit of a wall. I, I think we're going to see Morel's production curtail a little bit as the league re realizes just don't throw this guy fastballs. Uh, that will definitely impact him a little bit, and it'll force him to learn. But here's the beautiful thing about Christopher Morel. He's 22. I mean, he doesn't turn 23 for another month, so he's extremely young. This is a good time for the Cubs to see what they've got, a good time for Morrell to get ABs under his belt at the highest level, and you know what? Let's see how it continues. He's more than earned a spot now in the lineup every single day, and I want to see him get that spot in the lineup every single day. The speed is translating on the base paths. It's translating in the field. His routes keep getting better, uh, but I do think we're going to see some frustrating stretches for the Cubs outfielder now, but there is a lot of value there, and if he can even be passable against breaking balls, you could have a very productive and very solid piece here that has been a nice development for the Chicago Cubs. So Christopher Morrell continuing to get better before our eyes. If he can hit the breaking balls, the outlook will be even better. Cautiously optimistic, but we'll need to see a bit more. But great development right now here for the Chicago Cubs prospect, who again is still just 22 years old. Next guy I want to talk about is my man, Graham Ashcraft, because that's another one that if you are sitting around and you have an opportunity to like read along with something, go check out our write-up on the Red System and specifically Graham Ashcraft, because that was a guy that I didn't have a ton of information on and had not heard too much about. And once I did my, my Reds System dive, that was where I started to really just catch on 
to what Graham Ashcraft was capable of. It wasn't until I watched full starts and watched the stuff ahead of the season where I was like, why are people not talking about Graham Ashcraft? And at the time of the top 10, we had him at four, but the, the Reds have now added a bunch of dudes to their system. And, you know, he has been bumped down a little bit now to the number eight spot. Uh, but that is not because he's no good. It's because they added Brandon Williamson and, and Chase Petty and some other dudes. But I thought Ashcraft was right there with them. And if you look at the write-up, I, I really compared that cutter to Emmanuel Class A. And I had some people respond to me uh, on Twitter and say, really, Class A? Like, seriously? And I understand the questions around that because, you know, that is a crazy comp. That's one of the most electric closers in the game throwing a gyro cutter. But that's exactly what Graham Ashcraft throws. And guess what? His cutter sits in the upper 90s. It might not look like a cutter. You might think horizontal when you think cutter, but it has that gyro downward bite and it's late and it's sharp and it's gross. And Graham Ashcraft has been spectacular so far at the big league level. I do think he has a little bit of anonymity working in his favor because he was a little inconsistent in AAA. But overall, he was still able to get a ton of outs despite the higher walk rate and pitch to a 1.65 ERA through 32 and two-thirds innings in AAA so far this year. Gets up to the big leagues, not striking guys out through his first three starts, but getting a ton of weak contact and getting a ton of ground balls. And that's really big for the Cincinnati Reds because... They've got guys like Hunter Green, who's a big strikeout guy that's going to give up some home runs. They need more guys that can get ground balls and pitch to contact, and that's what we've seen from Ashcraft. What's really standing out to me, though, is the walks have been way down. In his first outing, four and a third, walks two, and gives up two earned runs. Second outing, goes six and a third, walks two, and gives up no earned runs. Only strikes out one, but a ton of weak contact. Then in his last outing, seven innings, four hits, one earned run, one walk and five Ks. So now we saw the Ks tick up in that third outing. It is worth noting, first outing against the Blue Jays, second outing against the Giants, third outing against the Nationals. But at the end of the day, this is still big league hitters, and we're seeing a guy get better as he's going here. I don't know if he's going to get the strikeouts in in the way that we would like to see until he adds another pitch, because right now it's two-seamer, cutter, which is a great overlay, and then a slurvy breaking ball, which is good. I would like a taste-breaking changeup or something like that because the two-seamer is great, but it's the same velocity as the cutter. So you have one velocity there, and then the only other velocity you have is, is that still 85 to 88 mile per hour hard slurve. It's it's really considered a slider, breaks like a sweeping curve. It's it's gross, but it is worth noting that, you know, he only has two speeds right now. And, and that's the thing. But he can manipulate the cutter, which could give him that third speed. And that's the thing to kind of follow and watch. I'm really interested to see if he can add a third pitch, if he could. And that's the hardest pitch to throw, especially for a guy like him. I don't expect him to throw a changeup, but if he could just mix something else in there, a taste breaker, maybe more of a differentiator curveball, that could be something to watch. He has mixed in a few changeups from time to time. They just haven't been great. They do have a lot of horizontal movement, but his feel for it has been a bit inconsistent. And, you know, he just really does not look comfortable throwing it. If he can develop that pitch, we're talking about now a guy that is a potential Big time swing and miss starter. I really think that's the big thing missing. But he is somewhat of a unique pitcher that is difficult to break down. No doubt about it, a lights out closer should the Reds consider him uh, more of a bullpen piece. He will throw the cutter similar to Class A out of the out of the bullpen. If he's going in a one inning spurt, I wouldn't be surprised to see that thing sitting 99 to 102. He is routinely hitting triple digits already with the cutter. So, I mean, that is 100% 
a great fallback option is elite, elite closer that you know you could stretch out for multiple innings. But ultimately, you want a guy to be a starter. It's just way more valuable in today's game, and there's no doubt about it. Unless you are one of the best closers in baseball, it's not nearly as valuable. But there's a chance he could be one of the best closers in Major League Baseball. But until he doesn't have success as a starter, I say continue to roll him out there. Maybe he is somebody similar to a knuckleballer that with this gyro cutter can just consistently get weak contact because of the different movement he can have pitch to pitch. He also has the two-seamer and the slurve or whatever you want to call it. So there might be enough there. I would like to see a bit more. And I think the lack of swing and miss is, is a testament to, you know, a little bit of just not enough to be in the hitter's minds right now with his arsenal. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to sustain a 90% left on base rate, but he has been phenomenal. I love this stuff. He has been everything I would have thought when we talked about him with the red system. But again, I still have those same questions. So it should be interesting to follow moving forward, but loving what we've seen so far from Graham Ashcraft. Next up is another prospect that I really love the development we've seen, and he really improved his overall outlook in the Arizona Fall League and and with a strong finish going into that. Caleb Killian of the Chicago Cubs came over in the Chris Bryant trade from the San Francisco Giants, and we know the Giants do a great job of scouting out specifically college arms. They, They do well with high school arms, too. We see it with Kyle Harrison, but I love what they do with college arms also. And, you know, I mean, this is just another example. They had to part with him to get Chris Bryant. It was worth it with, with the Giants going all in. It was part of the reason why they won the division. And I doubt that they were super ecstatic to tr- to part with Caleb Killian, but he is already 25 years old, one of the older guys. So it made sense for them, you know, at the time. But a great get for the Cubs because now he looks like a future rotation piece. And his first start looked really solid for the Cubs. I thought he went five pretty strong innings, uh, given that it was his first big league start. It was five innings, three hits, three earned runs two walks, six strikeouts. I think you'll take that against the Cardinals lineup in a big-time rivalry game any day of the week. And what he was doing in AAA was, you know, equally as impressive, if not more. Uh, Through nine starts in AAA, 39 and a third's innings, he had punched out about 9.3 per nine, 2.06 ERA, 2.93 fit, and just doesn't walk a lot of dudes. I mean, the walk rate was slightly up in the early going this year, but had really gotten that under control over many of his other outings. And even then, with the walk rate slightly up, never walked more than two batters in a single outing in AAA this year. So that's what really stands out to me with Killian, because he has a few different ways he can attack you. The fastball is ticked up in both spin and, and just shape and velocity. So the fastball is now better for him, which is a huge change and huge improvement that is really unlock the rest of his his arsenal to a degree and, and help the rest of his stuff play up. But he has a few different ways he can come at you. He's got the four-seamer, then the two-seamer. He likes to lean on the two-seamer a bit more because he locates it down in the zone and gets plenty of ground balls. He also has a slider that is solid and a curveball that is solid. So when you look at the arsenal across the board, I haven't seen much comfort in the change yet. He didn't really mix it in much in his first outing, if at all. Uh, but I like the slew of pitches. I like the command. And I think you have a really solid either high end four or average three potentially here with Caleb Killian, depending on, you know, how good the command gets. And if he can find a feel for that change up a little bit more, or if the breaking ball, either the curveball or the slider can tick up to closer of a plus pitch. If not, probably more of a four, but you know, the Cubs could use all of the controllable fours that they can get. And he would be a high end four at that point. So I like Caleb Killian a lot. He continues to get better has a chance to be a three, good stuff, 
Very good command and continues to get better. Sign me up for that. The Cubs need more dudes like that. So a very good addition to this farm system from last year and a good addition to the big league club right now who should help them eat innings right away. I'm going to wrap up with a couple of Texas Rangers prospects that I'm pretty excited about what we've seen so far and I think could be legitimate pieces for them you know in the future more so one than the other but one could be a decent fourth outfielder the other could be a really exciting either second baseman I know they've got Marcus Semyon or a super utility guy that can play all over I'll start with the positive I guess the higher end guy they're both positive so far this year but Josh H. Smith I, I think is a legit big leaguer. He does everything pretty well and doesn't really have a hole in his game. And unfortunately, he's on the IL with a shoulder issue, 10-day IL with a left shoulder sprain. But through his first five games, was raking. Only one punch out in 17 plate appearances, walked a pair of times, sprayed the ball all over the yard, added a double, four hits in 17 plate appearances, four hits and 12, or excuse me, five hits and 12 at-bats, one extra base hit. But that's what he does, right? He's going to walk a good amount. He was walking a lot in AAA, 12% walk rate, closer to 13%, actually 12.6. And he walked at a 14% clip last year. He's always a dude that's going to spoil tough pitches, battle, 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 and, and get on base. He can sneak a few balls out of the yard. I think he's somebody that can hit you 10 to 15 home runs. He can steal you 10 to 15 bags. He can play all over. He's going to hit for a decently high average. He's going to get on base at a good clip. Like You can't have enough Josh H. Smiths. I love players like this. He was a second-round pick in 2019, another player that came over in the Joey Gallo trade. I think the Yankees looked at it and said, hey, you know, we might regret giving up Duran, but he's, he's, he's high risk. And Josh H. Smith... You know, he's definitely a good piece, but we know we're never going to lose sleep over him because he's never going to be a superstar. And that's got to be the way the Yankees felt about it. And, it. and it's true for a team like the Yankees, but you also look at what the Rangers are trying to build here and they could use as many guys like Smith as they can. And now with Smith hurt, Duran's up there and he's got similar skill set, just better, right? Like instead of 50s it's it's 55s to 60s with Duran with with some of these different tools and you know it's below average power for Smith and it's above average power for Duran uh, but it's similar to where Duran does a little bit of everything the thing with Smith is the high-end hit tool but we're starting to see a much better hit tool from Duran as I already got into all that so with Smith super high floor I think can really just spray the ball over the field, give you above average speed, and at least sneak a few balls out of the yard from time to time. He's viable at shortstop. I'm a big fan of Smith, and, and we saw the early results. I think he's somebody that's going to hit the ground running when he's healthy for you and, and be a pretty solid all-around player that gives you a lot of value all over the diamond. Steel Walker is someone that I think is pretty underrated. If I remember correctly, was traded with or for Nomar Mazzara, which is which is pretty funny, uh, and ultimately already a better deal for the Rangers uh, on that side of it than than what the White Sox got out of Mazzara. Uh, but Steel Walker has continued to get better every time we've seen him, and and that was somebody that I talked a little bit about after the trade because he was putting up good numbers in High A in 2019, where he with the White Sox at the time hit. 269, 346, 426. That's good for a 124 WRC plus. Only struck out 14% of the time. 2021 was a bit of an adjustment period for him after not playing in 2020, makes the big leap to double A. He he held his own, 102 WRC plus, kept the strikeout rate at 17% and left the yard 10 times. But then he gets the bump up to triple A and hits a wall. 
uh, and, and that kind of, I know, negates uh, my overall uh, argument that it's generally the same between double and triple, uh, but it was it was one of those situations where he was one of those guys that just seemed to hit a wall and triple. Uh, the strikeout rate jumped up 6%, the walk rate dropped a little bit, and, and it was just a bad stretch for him. For whatever reason, he struggled there, but then you see him come back this year Gets another chance at AAA and through 20 games was spectacular. Had three home runs, hit 297, 395 on base, 486 slugging. It's good for a 126 WRC plus, 10.5% walk rate, 12.8% K rate. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but this is a dude that has put up numbers almost every single year besides a 48 game stretch in AAA. And now he gets the bump up to the big leagues and I think this is a big league piece for you. He's an above average runner. He has good raw power, just trying to find a way to consistently tap into it in games, but he still hit 15 home runs last year. He already has three in 20 games this year in AAA. There's 20 plus home run power here if he can hit enough, and there's above average speed. I think this guy could be a very solid fourth outfielder. I think he's stretched a little thin in center field, but he could be an above average corner guy. And I'm in. I think this is a very solid prospect for somebody that I don't even think was ranked in the top 30 by many publications. He's 25 years old. It was an opportunity to see like, hey, let's let's see what you got here. And I think he's got enough to be a decent bat, maybe a platoon guy uh, for the Rangers as a fourth outfielder slash platoon option with good speed. That's a good get here. And again, the Rangers continue to build their system from what was pretty terrible to now looking like it has some depth and we're seeing them try a bunch of different guys out and I'm totally here for that. I don't think Walker will ever carve himself out as an above average regular, but he could be an average to slightly above average regular who could give you above average value as a platoon type of option and given what he was attained for uh, for the Texas Rangers. I think that is a nice little bonus. Don't forget, this guy was a second round pick in 2018 by the White Sox. So has some pedigree as well. And the tools are still there for the 5'11", 200 pound, 25 year old with the Texas Rangers. That'll do it for this episode. Again, check out the article over at JustBaseball.com on Ezekiel Duran. If you could take a moment to leave a rating on the podcast and a review, that would help us immensely in growing the show. And I encourage you to continue to check out what we're putting out, putting out at JustBaseball.com on the prospect side and on the big league side. We're going to talk to Jeff Ponce of Baseball America on Wednesday. They just put out their updated top 100 list, and we want to ask him some questions. Ask him about the list, some surprises in there, um, some decisions uh, with the ranking that I think we agree with, some that we're like, whoa, that's interesting. So I'm very excited to pick Jeff's brain, one of my favorite minds in the prospect world, and hear a little bit about the backstory and how Baseball America put that list together and why they're so high on certain guys and maybe not as high on others. It's always fun with Jeff. So keep an eye out for that episode on Wednesday. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Wednesday. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.